A big thank you to our sponsor, iFixit, who fights for your right to repair and makes really cool tools in the process. If you need to fix your phone, laptop, or even a vacuum, iFixit has thousands of parts, tools, and free guides. Mercury, Mercury Stardust. She's a beacon of hope in the darkest night. Mercury, Mercury Stardust. She'll teach you how to make it all alright. Hey there, hi, my name is Mercury, and I'm the trans handy ma'am. My pronouns are she, her, and I teach compassionate DIY. We're here to help renters, LGBTQIA members, and anyone who's feeling left out in a DIY space. Hey guys, gals, and non-binary pals, thank you so much for listening to the Handyman Hotline. I'm so excited for this episode, and of course, as always, I am joined by the amazing, the <laughs> extraordinary, the absolutely gorgeous, Maggie Conrad! <laughs> oh, Maggie, you hear that noise? I think we just broke through the glass ceiling, Maggie. Woo-hoo! Yeah! Maggie, you are so fine. You defi- you destroyed gender norms. Yeah, I love how now, like every week, I'm just like, oh, what the fuck is gonna happen now? Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent, Maggie. I also want you to know that last night Matt texted me, and mm. Matt, our sound engineer, was like, okay, is there anything like stupid you want me to do this week? And uh, I sat there. For like thirty minutes, being like, "What the fuck are we wrong? What the fuck? Oh my glass ceiling! You wait for next week. We got a good one Ooh. next week. We got a really good one. <laughs> next one is homemade. I had to make it myself. You had to make. Ooh, Maggie! Wow, I get a homemade intro. You guys, I feel special. You guys wait for next week. The <laughs> intro is gonna be um, wild, if I say so myself. Uh, anyways, <laughs> oh, I just like, ooh, I'm going to, this is what the podcast is now. The podcast is just me alerting to inside jokes for the next podcast. <laughs> okay. For those who are just tuning in for the very first time, um, this is the Handyman Hotline where we take questions. Um, this week I think is primarily just voicemail messages, yeah. what we're really excited about. We take voicemail messages and I have never heard these questions before. Mm-hmm. And I answer the DIY questions in real time. Right? Yep. Okay. And uh, sometimes I'm really good, and sometimes I'm extremely bad. Um, <laughs> Never. Oh, uh, okay, well, don't say it like <laughs> well, you have sarcasm attached to it. <laughs> That's just the tone of my voice. That's... <laughs> okay. That being said, Maggie. Yes. Do you want to... Oh, wait, wait. I guess we, we haven't talked about how our weeks was. How was your week, Maggie? Uh, Great. How how long has it been since we did the fundraiser? I feel like that was just yesterday. It was a it was like uh, was that a week ago? Over it was a week, week and a half ago. Wow. So for, so yeah, still kind of like for those who didn't know, we raised two 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 million two hundred fifty nine thousand mm-hmm. dollars for trans healthcare by trans people for trans people. Woo-hoo! Um, and it's through an organization called Point of Pride. If you are someone who would like to access gender-affirming care but haven't been able to, you can go to pointofpride.org, mm-hmm. and you can learn more about how you can apply for um, their funding. Yeah. Um, and they're a wonderful organization. And because we raised $2.2 million, we're so many more people are going to be able to access yeah. their gender-affirming care. And some people were saying, oh, yeah, but like, I wish we were doing real mutual aid. This is real mutual yeah. aid. And we're doing it in such a large volume. Mm-hmm. There is no way for us as individuals to take $2 million yeah. Yeah. to have to pay taxes on it then uh, and then do that all ourselves mm-hmm. and then do all that labor of like finding people. Well, and then the people would have to structure. pay taxes on that money. Yep. When going through Point of Pride, they do all the vetting and they pay the surgeons directly and they're able to advocate for their patients to get discounts on those surgeries. So yep. even, you know, some of the people like they can't get the whole surgery funded, but at least it's at a discount and they get a portion of it. But, you know, Aiden even said last week that um the there's 2023 surgery surgery recipients have now been fully funded whereas they were only wow. going to be able to be partially funded before the funds have already started going into into their pockets some people are going to get refunds some people are going to you know have extra money now for their um aftercare everything like that so it's really amazing work that they're doing it's really like an extraordinary thing that we'll be able to, to do 
for hopefully years to come. And mm. I want to say thank you to everyone who donated. Uh, it means the most thing in the world to me. It's just I, I, I just I'm like lost at words mm-hmm. because it's so amazing. Sixty thousand people donated. Yeah. So, but that being said, we've had a week off. I felt I feel real good. Thank you to everyone who listened to the best of episode mm-hmm. last week that I have not listened to, so I have no idea. Oh, Matt did a good job. It was very funny. I heard <laughs> uh, people told me it was hilarious. I just didn't have the emotional wherewithal yeah. to be able of to uh, do it. Um, but all that being said, Maggie, are you ready to get some cues and we can fill them with our A's? Let's fill those A's. Oh, the see, I instantly <laughs> don't like that. We got to think of a co- good catchphrase. If you have a good catchphrase for us to start this section of the podcast. Text us. Text us at what number, Maggie? 608-205-8768. Yeah, text us your idea. What would be a good transition period? You know, like from, from that, like... From that opening to the, you know, the Q part of the show. What is that, right? Is it yeah. like, ooh, the Q cave. That does not sound <laughs> good. I don't want <laughs> the Q cave. Ooh. Everyone, open your legs up for the A's. No, I don't like that. We're barely five minutes into the show, and we are completely off the rails. Can we please? Play a question, Matt. Let's get back on the rails and answer some A's. Wait, cues, answers of cues. God damn it. <laughs> answers some cues. Hi, Mercury. My name's Kim. Pronouns are she, her. And I am just across the southern cheeseland border from you in northern cornland. <laughs> so hello from your southern neighbor. First of all, I just wanted to say I listened to, or excuse me, I watched your live stream last night for Trans Healthcare, and I'm so excited to see that you all met your goals three times. <laughs> That's unbelievable, and I'm so happy for you and the trans community. Second of all, I am very lucky to uh, have a husband who has taught me a lot of home repair and and how to use certain tools and things like that that I was never able to learn growing up. I never had the opportunity. So we've been doing some bathroom home repairs, and he's been teaching me a lot of, I guess, simpler, handy tools uh, that I could use and and tricks that I could do myself. I I purchased a bidet, and I watched your video on how to install it, and I I'm really thinking I want to try to do it by myself, and I'm I'm pretty confident I can, but I just wanted to get your opinion on, is, is this a, a reasonable project, I guess, for someone who's new to DIY to try to take on by themselves, and what other maybe, I guess, slightly more than beginner projects you recommend for someone who's just starting to feel comfortable doing DIY projects by themselves. So thank you so much, and I love your podcast. Thanks. Ooh, you know how much mm-hmm. I love questions that revolve people's butts. Mm-hmm. And anything about a bidet makes me so happy. <laughs> I, I am a big proponent that I think very strongly everyone should have a bidet. Um, yep. I, 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 I'm all for, like, you know, <laughs> universal butt health care. Uh, and I really think that uh, you got to make sure that booty is, you know, ready to go. And I think you're way ready to go with a bidet yeah. in your toilet. So. That being said, is it something that someone who is like, you know, maybe not as familiar with tools mm-hmm. or familiar with how tos, is it something that people are accessible to be able to do? That's the question, right? Mm-hmm. Maggie, as someone who has seen me talk about bidets multiple times yeah. and seen me do videos on this, would you say that a bidet is fairly accessible? What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially if you're just doing like a cold water bidet where you just are attaching it to the supply line that's already there. You're not messing with anything. Uh, Yeah, 100%. Especially if you look at Mercury's videos and search Mercury Stardust bidet. Oh, God. (laughs) I love that I am associated with so much tushy. You know what I mean? I'm I'm associated with so much butt. Mercury Starbutt. Mercury Starbud, you know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I think that bidets are various. I, I think that if we're talking, I always hate ranking things. Yeah. But if we're entering this, you know, this world for the first time and you have, you know, like if this is Dun- Dungeons and Dragons and <laughs> you don't have a skill set above, like, let's say you have like a level three, you know, craftsman, you know, mm-hmm. um, ability, right? And so it's it's good enough to maybe understand some things and the whole tools, but maybe not necessarily more, right? I will say that a bidet 
is probably like you could roll a dice and roll a four and be okay. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I hope that was accessible and hope that makes sense for people. <laughs> uh, for those who are not into D&D, basically what I just said is that it's on the lower capability side. Yeah. That you can, they actually make them in a way that are fairly successful. Like, they make them that way. I will say, if you just get the cold water bidet, I want to put a disclaimer out there. Yeah. Cold water bidets don't necessarily mean you're going to have, like, freezing water no, up not your at butt. All. That isn't necessary because most toilets in the United States, unless you're in, like, Alaska or Maine or even most Wisconsin's plumbing doesn't get that cold throughout the year. But the average temperature of of, of water in the toilet or water... In the sewer system or in, in plumbing, it's about fifty-eight degrees. The mm-hmm. average. Now it varies wherever you are, but essentially fifty-eight degrees is usually what you feel. Okay, yeah. if it's in the dead of winter, yeah, I mean it's you know, a little colder, um, but it won't. You know, it, it won't yeah. feel that bad. We have a cold water bidet and was totally fine this winter. Yeah, it, I have a warm water bidet. I never use a warm water because to me. Having warm water shut up my butt is way more startling than cold. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't feel natural. It's a little too uh, no, opening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was one time I shot it up real good. And I must I mean, that bidet had, like, a scope on it. And it, like, shot right up my butthole, you know? And I, I like, it was, like, a little warm. Like, not a little warm. It was pretty hot. It was, like, coffee hot. And it <laughs> shot up there. And holy, that was a way to wake up in the morning. That was mm-hmm. like, ah, ah, my morning poops have never been more disastrous. But, yeah. So, anyways. And now I just gave everyone a visual. And I want you to know I'm so sorry. But to answer your question, yeah, I think it's very accessible. I would say... That if I was you, I would buy, I would err on the side of caution and buy something a little bit more affordable. Mm-hmm. Not 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 affordable. Buy a little bit more expensive, right? The affordable ones have cheaper plastic casing, and the ones that range between like twenty five to fifty bucks, they 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 can fall apart. Okay, and you could over tighten them and crack something. Mm-hmm. I think you're better off getting a medium tier. We have a really expensive one. We have a tushy. Which is like one hundred and thirty or one hundred twenty five dollars. Mm-hmm. We know we like it, right? Like we know we yeah. like it. And our first one that was like forty five bucks broke. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're like, let's just pay more money for something that we know we generally like. That's fairly easy to to take apart, yeah. and we can keep to to one apartment to another apartment because we are moving in two months. Right. So, and that would be my suggestion: is buy cheap if you can't really necessarily afford it. You can also get a portable one and try if you want to get a portable one. I think portable ones are twenty five bucks or twenty bucks, uh, and see if it it works for you. And remember this: when you put it all together, if you turn it on, it will shoot the the, the wall. It will shoot the wall, and don't <laughs> you're testing it out. Don't. Yes, I was. I was standing in front of it, and I was like, "Oh, it was." I didn't understand that it literally shoots like yep. right up on an angle, so it's going to miss the toilet seat. It's going to hit your. Right. Where your butt is, like, of course it is. But I, I turned it on, and it shot me right in the fucking <laughs> face. Like, boom. But that plumbing Whoopsie. water. Boom. I think I did that the first time I turned it on, too. Yeah. When we first had uh, our at, first one. <laughs> I feel like there should be a disclaimer on that thing that says, beware of shooting bidet when trying for the first time. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, that wasn't in the handbook, is all I'm trying to say. <laughs> but anyways, I think we answered that cue really good. Yeah. Okay. So do the bidet. Do the bidet. Clean that butt. <laughs> Hello, my name is Jessica, although I prefer to go by Princess Rainbow Kitty Sparkles, and I use she, her pronouns. Um, I live alone in an apartment, and I was wondering about how I could change a burnt-out light bulb in those overhead fixtures where there are no visible screws. Like, I can't figure out how to get the glass off. So, yeah, that's my question. Thank you so much. You're an awesome person, and I'm really excited to listen to your podcast and be a part of it. Yeah, okay, bye. You have the best name out of anyone (laughs) who's ever called us. If we were giving out trophies for best names, Maggie, can you repeat their name to me? Because I I know I'm going to get this out of order, but I think it was Rainbow Princess Kitty Sparkles. That's amazing. That's the best name I've ever, (laughs) ever heard in my entire life. That's amazing. 
But all that being said, Maggie and I have a little bit of a disagreement, okay? Mm-hmm. Maggie mouthed to me that, oh, they're talking about a recessed light. Mm. And then I said, no, they're not. They're talking about a boob light. So, Maggie, which one do you think it is? A booby light or a, re- a recessed light? And th- it's kind of funny mm. because they're generally mm-hmm. the complete opposite. Yeah, but they both don't have visible screws, so maybe do both. Yeah, but the Just way the way that she described it would make me think that it was like a booby light because if it was a recessed light, why would you think it was? Because sometimes a recessed light doesn't mm. have to have... You can just reach up in there and take the bulb out. Mm-hmm. Recess lights aren't always closed off. Right. Where, and also, recess lights, if they're the ones that are closed off, tend to be LED. So they're whole mm-hmm. units. Mm-hmm. Where with this bulb in a booby light, and I say a booby light. I think light, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> everybody, please record that as your ringtone. Oh, my God. Unprovoked. Maggie said I was right. Oh, I have never wanted to bathe myself in victory as much as this right now. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've said that before. Yeah, I mean, I never get tired of it. Um, But for those who don't know, booby lights are the lights that look like a tit, to be honest. You know, with a nipple. Yeah, and if you have the lights that don't have a nipple, like this is like... You know, no nipple booby light, right? That means that you probably, it it, it, it still has to come off, right? Mm. And the way that these typically come off is they twist off. So there's mm. there's a separation of the glass to the base. And people are always like, yeah, but there's no, re- there's no like set screw or there's no, like there's nothing there. There's nothing that turns it in. Trust me when I say that they literally have to, right? Mm. They have to come apart. So, and sometimes they get stuck together because of high heat, right? Sometimes there'll be plastic that's, like, around the base. And when that glass is, like, fitted into the plastic, sometimes it, like, sinks in. And the heat from the light will actually make it whatever. And also, like, you don't take those off. They're they're, they're not made to be off and on over and over again. Right. And the glass is not always cut in a perfect way either. There could be edges and stuff that was left on when they made the glass. So... This is imperfect stuff to begin with, right? But the way that I would do it is I would grab it from both sides. They're equal apart, right? You have one on the left side, one on the right side, and your hands are equally apart. And then you give constant, consistent pressure, right? You're twisting, and you don't stop twisting. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? You don't want to do like a sudden burst over and over again. Right. Like where you go like twist, twist, like twist, wiggling twist. it. Yeah, you want to do like twist. You know what I mean? Yeah. The more, no, that's the a long, very good visual. <laughs> the longer that you keep the pressure of twisting the booby light, right? The more likely to get it off if you don't have the arm strength, right? Mm-hmm. As someone who's like lost a lot of her arm strength because of like T blockers and estrogen, mm-hmm. I will tell you that it, I do struggle now with opening things like this and. I would say if that does not work, right, there's other methods that might help you. Like, you can get grippy towels, Mm -hmm. and those grippy towels might help you with your hands, get you more Mm -hmm. of a twist, Mm -hmm. you know. And if all else fails, you know, the the option is to crack it, take it down, (laughs) and then replace the... The, the light, mm-hmm. right? That is, yeah, they're not that expensive. They're, they're really not. They're like 30 bucks, 20 bucks sometimes, those lights themselves. Mm-hmm. Or the lid. You can get a replacement lid sometimes. Not all the time, depending on what kind of booby light you got. But they are replaceable. Now, if you have the kind of have a tit, if you have a booby light and there's like a tit right in there, A, you should put a tassel on it because it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> always put a pasty with a tassel on it. It's always funny. You feel like... <laughs> It feels like your t- your titty light is doing burlesque, mm-hmm. and it's, it makes you laugh every time. It's even a bigger plus if it is a ceiling fan that has a titty light. That seems and then it funny. Jiggles. It jiggles, <laughs> and it's so funny. Okay. All that being said, if it has one of those things in the middle that looks like a tit, okay, you can twist the cap off, lefty loosey. Mm-hmm. And then that will reveal a bolt that is basically going through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It is just this long threaded bolt that you can take the cover off and make sure you're good to go. 
Now, if all of that is good, now we did all the the, the two the two that I think it's going to be one mm-hmm. of those two. Now, if you're like, yeah, but there's like this little hole that's on the side, and when I look in that little hole, there seems to be some type of Allen key hole. Mm-hmm. What is that? That's called a set screw, and that set screw is somewhere on the base. Now, before you twist it, like we were just talking about, absolutely make sure there's not a set screw, mm-hmm. because if you go to twist, it will absolutely crack right you will crack that glass and this is where you should wear safety glasses just to make sure you know be careful but again you're going to be okay nine times out of ten it's just that that freak thing can be a disaster but yeah booby lights they're they're really common in apartments like really common in apartments very standard it's because they're you know they're that construction grade Mm -hmm. stuff they're that like you know Low-grade stuff. They're easy to make at yeah. high, high volumes. And, you know, when apartments need to, you know, yeah. get a whole lot of the same unit, that's the one they go with. They also are known to flicker. Like, they're known that these fixtures typically have, like, really bad soldering. Mm-hmm. And at the base of where the socket is to the wiring, you you can it can fall apart pretty easy. There was a lot of times where I went to go replace the bulb and I would just like I would just like flick the bulb and just flicking the the base of the bulb or by the socket mm-hmm. it would come back on <laughs> and then you would be like wait yeah. a minute yeah what and it's because it's bad wiring it mm-hmm. has more to do with that and then sometimes if you're it's in, so cheap if you're in the first floor and you got an apartment above you mm-hmm. and you got kids running back and forth the chances of that, that soldering to come loose inside wow. of the wiring is really common. That's it happens crazy. a lot. It happens a lot. I would say, uh, out of those booby lights, I would say mm, it was 50-50, I think, damn near, hmm. of uh, me replacing the whole unit or replacing a bulb. And that's why I just don't necessarily understand why landlords go that route. Yeah, because then you're just buying it's, it three times, four times. I've said this so many times, but landlords really fall into this place where a lot of landlords want to go with cheaper materials. Like, let's say the handrails in your bathroom, right? Mm-hmm. Those, those little towel rails that are just like, you know, aluminum, right? And if you go to pull them, they almost always fall apart on the side. They don't mm-hmm. rip out of the wall. They can rip out of the wall, but typically that's if it's all like yeah. one piece, right? Well, what landlords have told me over and over and over again, the reason why they buy lower materials like that is because you can always replace material. It's hard to replace pieces of the wall mm-hmm. or hard, harder to replace the door and whatever. But the problem I have with that is that then every fucking tenant that I've ever... I, I'm doing so much work no matter what. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're always doing low-grade equipment, always, that means even the best tenant is going to have something broken in it. Yeah. But, like, to me, there's more good tenants than there are bad ones. And there's just this constant fear of, like, making sure it's us versus them all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's such a stupid route to go for for your tenants. You're, you, I, I've said this over and over again. Empower your tenants. Yeah. Empower them. If they have something that keeps breaking down and they want to learn fucking show them Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like if it's a garbage disposal and all it is is an allen key underneath and then a reset button yeah then show them that Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean but if it happens four or five times a week yeah you could be like oh they're fucking around they don't know what they're doing you could just spend the time to show them it's why it's why i think that pitcher rails should be standard oh yeah for sure in apartments yep because instead of finding a way that works best for renters not to make holes mm-hmm. what we just tell them is don't make holes yeah okay instead of giving them something that they can actually use but how is the renter the tenant supposed to make the space feel like their space yeah a tenant's always going to err on the side of doing what's best for them mm-hmm. right and making their home feel like a fucking home right so in my opinion i think pitcher rails should be standard in every single modern uh, apartment. And I don't understand why they're not. Because they're not looking at it from the perspective of what is best for the tenant. Yep. No, for real. They just want to make a box and yep. people go to the box. Live and in also, the box. if you're a landlord and you're like, well, I do better than that, then we're not talking about you. 
right? <laughs> um, but also, like, this is typically a problem that's in larger yeah. uh, apartment complexes. Because the larger complexes buy in bulk, so they buy cheaper material. And they have, like, the same booby light in every single apartment. And they buy, like, 40 extra. Mm-hmm. So when one goes out, they just replace the whole fucking unit instead of, like, replacing the bulb. And that is pretty common. <laughs> um, our inventory room was wild. It was like, you know, five, you know, of the same uh, ceiling lamp that went out of, you know, you couldn't get it anymore. It would get disconnected. It got dis. <laughs> um, what is that word? Discontinued. Get discontinued like five years ago, and it had like a recall, but we still had the fucking fan. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's what a lot of those places are like. It's yeah. like we buy in bulk, so we have extra. So when it fails, we don't have to buy it again. Mm-hmm. You know, and we'll get a discount right now. So anyways, so to answer your question, oh, my God, there was like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> um, I would say make sure you look for the recess light. Keep constant pressure and then pray a little bit and you should be good. Yeah. <laughs> Boobs and butts. Boobs and butts. Maggie, <laughs> we were doing so good, Maggie. This was a high class podcast, no, and you brought it down. And now I feel it wasn't like, my fault. God, Maggie, <laughs> I tell you what. Okay, everyone. <laughs> next question, please. Hey, Mercury. I'm Frank. My pronouns are they, them. And I wanted to first say how excited I am to have learned that you've got a podcast, and that I can't wait to keep learning more from you. I also can't wait for your book to arrive when it comes out in a few months and already took care of my pre-order. So to anyone else listening, make sure you get on that if you haven't already. But anyway, I'm a renter and with the weather warming and all the rain we've been having where I live, I'm now smelling a funky, like maybe moldy smell specifically from the vents and also a hole under my kitchen cabinets, like the gap of dead space in the corner, which also connects to the space under the tub in the bathroom on the other side of the wall. Is there anything I can or should do as a tenant to check it out or address the problem, or do I need to call the office first thing? And if I call them, what do I say to get them to take it seriously, and what might they do to fix it or just, like, slap a Band-Aid on it and that I would maybe need to be concerned about? So for now, I've got the vents closed up as much as possible, and I'm keeping the windows open and an air filter running, but it definitely seems like there's more to be done. I'm just not sure where to start. Thanks a million. Love you and all your content. And congrats on the success with Jory and Point of Pride at your recent fundraiser. Have a good day. Bye. I feel like Frank <laughs> is like an audience plant, right? Like, <laughs> I just want to say, first and foremost, thank, Frank, <laughs> thank you for plugging my book, uh, Safe and Sound, A Renter's Friendly Guide to Home Repair. It's available right now on Amazon, bookshop.org, Barnes & Noble, Walmart. It's available basically wherever you get your favorite books. And it comes out in August, but we are planning mm-hmm. on trying to get the book to have 10,000 copies already sold by the end of the month of April. As of recording this right now, only one week into having the book released mm-hmm. in pre-order, we're already at 5,000 copies. Yeah. So we're doing really well for how early we are in the games. So I want to say thank you to everyone who already bought a book. I also want to say, Frank, this is such a good question. Like, mm-hmm. thank you. There's so many things I want to say here. First and foremost, let's talk about the procedure in which you have with your landlord. Okay? Like, it sounds like you haven't talked to your landlord about this specific issue yet. So I say you document this issue, right? You you email your landlord. You get stuff going on. You, have, you ask them about the molding issue. You ask them if there's any type of mitigation they can do. You ask them about the hole between the bathtub and, and the kitchen. And you kind of see what you can get going. If they kind of like really drag their feet in this, this is when I say you take it to the next step. You fucking Mm -hmm. put matters in your own hands. But no one can give you shit if you fucking, I mean, they're going to still give you shit. But they're not going to give you as much shit if you tried. Do you know what I mean? So what I would believe, what I think the best route to do here is A, get it documented. And B, then as far as what big, the gap between the wall and the tub that then leads to the kitchen does consume me because we're talking about um, some type of like, I'm not saying that is the issue you're having with molding. I don't know if that is. It's very hard to tell from just a voice message if that is one of the places that make it bad because the way they design bathtubs with an air exhaust system typically mm-hmm. above the bathtub helps to mitigate the moisture and the heat that is brought into your bathtub into your bathroom, right? Mm-hmm. Now, in the kitchen, they operate differently, right? 
if you have a situation where you have like a stove top that has a fan, right, you can help get the airflow happening in there by turning on the fan. And maybe turning on the fan and turning on the bathroom fan, maybe both of those going simultaneously might help the issue. I don't know if that's really the issue. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? As the weather is getting warm, you do you can see an increase of mold and growing, right? But that it isn't like isolated to that, right? Like it's in the vents. Too. Yeah, it can happen in the vents too. You're absolutely right, but it's not just isolated to mm-hmm. when the weather gets warmer because it's really about your apartment and about your home inside and the the way that you're able to make it comfortable for mold. The higher the humidity, the more mold will grow. So if you have a humid space. That is very humid, especially in a bathroom or in a kitchen where humidity kind of rides because you're cooking or because you're, you're you're showering. If that is the case, then we are talking about trying to mitigate that moisture after the fact. Now, mm-hmm. this can be about running the fans 20 minutes before and 20 minutes after, like we always talk about on the podcast, right? Or it can be getting a dehumidifier. And trying to stop it from growing and stopping at the source. Now, in a kitchen, that gets a little bit harder, right? You know, putting a dehumidifier in a kitchen. But I think after you, you everything is cleaned up, after everything is good in the kitchen, I think that that's when you put a dehumidifier in there. And you run that overnight. Mm-hmm. And even if you do it eight, nine hours a night, I think that would be, you know, for the best. Now, can dehumidifiers... You know, be used in the bathroom as well. People always ask me that question. 100% dehumidifiers are absolutely great in the bathroom, okay? Sometimes we don't have a lot of counter space. So sometimes you've got to make space, right? Like mm-hmm. get an end table or something in there or like a stool and put it in there. That is kind of the best route sometimes. But in my opinion, dehumidifiers are a great way for renters. To avoid to have that pesty mold that just doesn't go away. And and crappy rentals, crappy apartments always have mold. There's just like no way it shapes around it, okay? A landlord, at the very least, should be putting lacquer over it and then painting it with like two mold-killing primers and mm-hmm. then putting the finish coat on top of there, right? To help seal it up. Sometimes that's not even done. Do you know what I mean? So my thought process is do the dehumidifier and then top it all off with some bleach-free formula mold killer. We've talked about this before, Mm -hmm. especially get the kind that's safer in your kitchen, right? Now, you're going to be eating around food and stuff, so I want you to be more mindful of that than we typically would be in other cases, right? But I do think you want to go that route. You might even want to go the route of like wrapping some things in open plastic just to make sure But typically, you spray that on there, right? You spray that on the wall. You let it sit for 15, 20 minutes. And then you come with a a wet rag that has a mixture of vinegar and water in it, right? And maybe use some dish soap to add some cleanliness to it. And you just wipe it down. And you do that two to three times a week for about three to four weeks. And that, with the dehumidifier, can mitigate this. It won't solve the problem, okay? It won't solve the problem. And if you're wondering, Mercury, what brand should I get, though, for the spray? That's the thing. In the, Depending what state you're in, I can't tell you what brand you should get. Because oh, right. uh-huh. the, the brand I would get is Mold Killer, right? Mold Killer is my one of my favorite brands. you got Mold and Mildew Armor. Make sure you get the bleach-free one, though, because bleach doesn't kill mold, like we always talk about on this podcast. But I think that the big thing is this is in some states they restrict what chemicals you can use and in california you can't get some of the products we're talking about Mm -hmm. so if you need something that is going to work 100 pure vinegar might be the best route because vinegar will at least not like people always say it kills it doesn't really kill and neutralize it neutralizes Mm -hmm. the mold and it will stop it from at least spreading for that for that right now you know what i mean so that's my hot take that's what i would think would work in this instance Um, would you be able to spray that like in the vents or because you have to wipe it off right yeah so okay if we're talking about it being in the vents like i think um they talked about Mm -hmm. right 
then I do think you can spray in there and let it sit for a little bit. Though the instructions are going to vary from whatever kind. There mm-hmm. is mold killing sprays out there that are made for metal. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if that's what we're talking about, that would be the next like route I would go. Okay, so th- does that answer yeah. the the cue, Maggie? Do you have any input? I think on that so. One? That makes sense. But yeah, I I also think one thing to consider is maybe checking and make sure that all of your filters have been uh, changed recently because sometimes it might not necessarily be in the vent. It could be like in the HVAC unit itself. So maybe talk to your landlord and making sure that those return vents and furnace filters are being changed. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. The filters are are, are a really good catch, Maggie. Uh, is there anything else you would add? No. No? I, I think you covered Be- it. I covered it real good. I covered it <laughs> like the banana peel on a banana. <laughs> oh, boy. Now my best work. Well, and uh, now we have <laughs> boobs and butts and books. Boobs, butts, and books. Where does that come from? Who thought of that? The triple Bs? Well, I, I don't know, because the first one was about butts. The second question was about the boob light. And oh. now this person mentioned, my mentioned book. your book wow boobs butts and books <laughs> uh, thank you to, thank you for listening to the boobs butt and, um, and books um i'm so happy we're doing this podcast today today let's talk about one of the three <laughs> okay maggie are you ready for the next cue let's do it let's go hi mercury my name's tori my pronouns are she they um i just uh went through a bathroom renovation and it is all finished now. Had a little bit of hiccups here and there. But in the meantime, while we were getting our bathroom done, we were using our basement shower um, for, and it's so, and it's just a shower. So we were using that for my husband and I and my two boys. And we noticed, uh, we never really used this bathroom a whole lot. It's more like an emergency bathroom, if you know what I mean. Um, but we noticed that on the hot water knob, there's drips of water coming out. And I think I know what I need to do. I feel like I need to either replace it because it might be like crusty. I forget whatever that's called. Or it might just need a new seal around it. But I was wondering if you could help me out with that. And I know that you've got a lot of calls, but I appreciate any help. Thank you so much. See you soon. Bye. Okay, Tori, you are in luck, okay? <laughs> um, so you are talking about something called a hot water stem, mm-hmm. okay? I know you're talking about a hot water stem because you said a hot water valve, which means this is a separate valve mm-hmm. from the cold water, which means it's not a cartridge. It is a stem. Now, what is a stem for those who are listening for the first time and have never heard me talk about this? A stem is basically a mechanism that controls the the water coming into your your sink or your tub or your shower or whatever, okay? Mm-hmm. And that stem, stems are built for temperature. Some stems are built for heat and some stems are built for cold. Cartridges are built for both, okay? But the way that the the stem is built is that when it twists in a certain way, the water comes right through it. Basically, it just regulates it. It just basically keeps it from coming in. That's all that a stem does. It's kind of like a valve itself. Uh, it's super fucking handy. But but now to help you a little bit more here is that stems sometimes have like a cover. Like they'll have like a, a set screw somewhere on the handle that is hiding the actual stem. Mm-hmm. If you can find the set screw somewhere on there and remove the handle, you'll be able to have access to it. Make sure you turn off the water to that area, right? If the ba- if you have an isolation valve somewhere, I would absolutely turn off that water to the whole thing. If you can't find it, but you know the water shut off for your whole house, fucking do that. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Like, you could just do that if you can. Now, sometimes you can replace the stem and not actually have the water shoot at you. If you can, <laughs> sometimes you do. Sometimes you just don't turn on the main water by the tub or oh, whatever, sure. right? Yeah. So that is an option, but sometimes valves are not built that way. So, you know, I would just play it safe. If you get desperate, you could look into that. But as someone who just recently did wet work <laughs> and recently did work while 
um, plumbing was shooting at her faces. Uh, boy, the pressure is gnarly. The pressure is gnarly, so I don't recommend it. But all of that being said, okay, you take that set screw off. Now, my suspicion here is that you said handle, mm-hmm. not a knob, a handle. Um, I actually just remembered they did send a photo. Oh, Mary, Maggie, you buried the league. <laughs> Maggie, you buried the lead. You ha- there, there was a photo the whole time. Well, I mean, it, it just shows you the setup. So. Maggie, what? <laughs> Sorry, Maggie, that changes everything. But you were right. It Ma- is a stem. No, it's a stem, but I wasn't close with the handle. Everyone, I want you to know. Well, that's what jogged my memory. Everyone, I want you to know that the whole time I'm struggling to try to figure out what this is. Maggie was sitting on the knowledge of knowing they sent in a fucking photo. Maggie Conrad. I I forgot they sent a photo until you said handle instead of knob. And I was like, oh, wait, no, it is a knob. I know that because I saw a photo. And it jogged my memory. So (laughs) So what we're looking at is a knob. It's a knob. It's it's an old-fashioned knob. It's plastic. Right. Uh, And then in the center, there's a cover, right? Mm -hmm. Can I see it, Maggie, just to make sure? Okay, good. There is a cover in the middle, right in the middle of the knob. There is something that has like a like I'll say like H mm-hmm. or I'll say C maybe a logo of the company like this looks like maybe a Moen. Um, if that is all true, you can take like a, a a pointed knife or you know even a toothpick sometimes and pry it like right in the sides and pop that like little piece mm-hmm. of plastic it's like a little out. cap and then right in the middle will be a set screw behind that cap that you just popped out. Okay. And that is, like, the hardest part. The hardest part is that. (laughs) And then it's just a matter of, like, taking everything off. And then once you take off the whole handle, then you'll see the stem. But look into the hot water stem um, videos. You'll see a bunch on YouTube. And there's a great, there's some great videos on how to replace hot water stem. If they replace the hot water stem, do they also have to replace the cold water stem? Or does that doesn't affect, it's still the same, like... yeah knob yeah yeah mechanism on the outside now in in, in a perfect world i would say is always best to you know keep everything you know similar but you don't Mm. need to at all you know what i mean i i would say that the my the thing i would throw out there when you're looking for a replacement of the hot water stem make sure you get within the realm of like it looking the same Mm -hmm. and being the same if you take out the stem and the old one and then go to the hardware store that is the ideal solution, right? Right. That is the ideal. That's not always possible. But if you're able to do that and then, you know, be okay with it, you not having that bathtub for a few days or a few hours. And then make sure you can get something that ha- it looks the same and functions the same. Right. Then I would say that's the route to go. Because they don't, they don't, they're not, they're not universal. Not all of them are. Right. Some are a little bit longer. Some are a little bit shorter. Some are made for fat ones. Some are made for skinny ones. They're all, it's all it's really to each their own when it comes to design. Mm-hmm. But I will say from what I just saw, it looks like it would be a universal hot water stem that would fix sure. it because it looks like either a Delta or a Moen. And those two are the most common brands you'll yeah. see in most places. So cool. Yeah. Okay. I think I answered that pretty darn good. So it's butts and boobs and books and baths. Wow. Maggie. <laughs> Did not plan this ahead of time. Maggie, I feel like totally off the cuff. Okay, Look at me being I just off the cuff. Say, <laughs> there's never been an episode of this podcast where I feel like Maggie is more against me than this episode. Maggie <laughs> was sitting on you were sitting on knowledge that was so <laughs> crucial to the question that I cannot stress enough, Maggie. I was sitting here struggling. No, oh, but Maggie, you you were looking like you were so effortless at it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and then Maggie's sitting here mocking me with the four B's, Maggie. <laughs> Maggie. Okay, let's get the, 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 the last question of the day. Let's cue me up and let me knock it out of the ballpark. Yeah. Hi, Mercury and Maggie. Um, my name is Gretchen. My pronouns are she, her. I was wondering, I want to hang some plants from my ceiling, and I was wondering if the magnet trick for finding a stud in a wall, does that work for the ceiling? What do I need to do to make sure I'm hanging something kind of heavy, a plant, 
from a strong enough place, from a beam or whatever in the ceiling? How do I find the ceiling and what do I do to make sure that it's attached correctly um, so that it won't fall down? Thanks. Bye. Gretchen, you were asking the right questions. <laughs> you already won an award here, Gretchen. I love when people are thinking about this in a really strategic way. I'm really happy that you're not just hanging it with a wall anchor, like an easy anchor or a wall dog, like these very common uh, wall anchors, because they're not designed to be that heavy or load bearers above your head. Do you know what I mean? Like they're great for on the wall. But they're not great for being above your head. Do you know what I mean, Maggie? Mm-hmm. Like I would, I these are all these wall anchors are great when they are like to your side, not above your head. So I would say that either you can find a wall anchor that does that is going to be safe. There are wall anchors that splay out that will be fine for you. Okay, and in a plant, if it's like a normal plant that's like maybe like. 20 pounds max Mm -hmm. then i think you're probably okay to do an uh uh, anchor that splays out i would prefer a metal one over plastic components yep but but since you're asking about studs and Mm -hmm. you're asking about joists in the ceiling let's talk about how to find a joist in the ceiling because it's not always easy peasy lemme squeeze right it can be a little bit difficult because joists can go either way now, depending on where you are in the United States, uh, joists can go um, either parallel or, or opposite of where the door is. Typically, they go parallel with the door. So the entrance to the building, not the entrance to your home, okay? So the entrance to the building, if it all goes parallel to the door, right, then you will be okay, okay? So... That means it goes parallel, elongated, away from the door. Now, if you are like, well, I don't know, though, like, I don't know where it is there. I can't really tell. What you can get is some type of larger light, even a lamp in your your home, and just point it to the ceiling, Hmm. and that will sometimes show you ripples. There will be ripples in your ceiling, and they're almost like little waves because it's very easy for mutters, for drywall mutters, to make a wall look really good. It, if you're in a hurry, boy, making the ceiling look good <laughs> is a whole different story. And it's really easy. It can be really easy to use, to be able to find your, your joists in a wall. Now, everyone always wants to know, what about a stud finder? Stud finders are good. Stud finders are not always easy for everyone to use. And if you have any type of texture on your ceiling, a stud finder is not going to be ideal for you. If you have an acoustic ceiling or commonly known as a popcorn ceiling, mm-hmm. good luck. It is not going to be fun and won't be easy to find a joist with your your stud. Okay. Now, my preferred method would be the magnet trick, right? But another method would definitely be uh, to use the the light trick and to find it that way, right? And once you know where the joists are, you do a pilot hole, and then mm-hmm. you will feel the wood, okay? But go slow. Don't push it. Take your time. And once metal, once wooden shavings comes come out, you know you did a good <laughs> job. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the route I would go. Now, sometimes joists don't go in that direction. Sometimes they go the other direction. Mm-hmm. They, You know, so it all depends. That's why it's a lot harder for me to, to talk about. So when in doubt, find a wall anchor that splays out. Ooh, yeah, that rhymes. <laughs> when in doubt, find a wall anchor that splays out. You know, yeah. Honestly, that's a t-shirt. Those are the ones that I use. I have hanging plants all over my house, and they have ones that um, come with like hooks that you can get that are like white or gold. Yes. Um, and those work really well for... You know, obviously, if if the plant's not too heavy, like Mercury said. 100%. 100%. That's what I think, too. Like, I think that that is your better route. I Mm -hmm. think that you can use a joist. If you're trying to have, like, a swing in the wall and the ceiling for what? (laughs) That's what I was thinking. If you're trying to to put, um, you know... A swing in your like ceiling. Like a kid's swing. Yeah, like a kid's swing. If you want to put a kid's swing in the, the ceiling for no specific reason, 
Um, also, a sensory swing yeah. could be a thing. Exactly. You know, harmless. Good, I would love one of those. Accessible things. Yeah. Uh, all that being said, if you're going that route, then I th- you're going to want to find a... Uh, um, a joist. Yeah. But even that, you want to take, you want to open up the wall, the ceiling, and put an anchor point between two joists mm-hmm. and an eye bolt through it. Do you know what I mean? Like that's a safer route to go than just right off of the joist because mm-hmm. you could split the joist and then you have an issue. Do you know what I? Do you know what I so mean? So you're talking about putting like opening up a, a an opening in the ceiling and putting something that connects between the joists. Yeah. And then like a, a backer, but it's like a, a supported backer. Mm. And then you put like an eye bolt through it and you bolt it and it's not just screwed in. Does sure. that make sense? Yeah. That's way safer. Yeah. But then and you then, have to replace your ceiling. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's no fun way to do that yeah. without it being. I will say for safety reasons, I wouldn't just throw an eye bolt in there that is threaded. Right. And call it a day. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think you're rolling a dice for that to crack. And I will say the disaster that could happen from that is way bigger than how mm, easy it would be. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like if yeah. you just throw, if you just throw a threaded screw that's holding an eye bolt mm-hmm. into the ceiling, and then you just hang, you know, a human on it, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if it's one point, right? You don't know where that eye bolt is in the joist. No, you don't know true. if it's on the side. You don't know if it's directly in the middle. You don't know if you split the wood. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to hang 200 pounds on it, and you're going to swing on it, right? You don't know if you're going to crack it. That's true. I wouldn't, I wouldn't roll the dice on it. Mm-hmm. I would say rip over that ceiling and then put some type of like real backer in it. We're going to go that far with mm-hmm. it, if that makes sense. And there's definitely tutorials on that, too, like how to hang those safely and stuff. You can even, if you don't want to open up the wall, there's another route here. And that is to make some type of joist-to-joist rig. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because if you make a rig where you have like a, so instead of ripping open your drywall, you make like a rig that has one block of wood on one side and one block of wood on another side. Almost like a little mini Mm -hmm. like platform. Mm -hmm. And then you have a wood connecting the two. Right. Right. But now instead of one eye bolt holding all of that mm-hmm. weight, you're having multiple leg screws screwed into the bolt in, uh, in various different positions and sure. two different joists that can hold the weight. And I think that's way safer. Yeah. That's that a makes w- sense. I mean, that's one route to go. I mean, I know someone out there is going to be like, well, and then I, <laughs> I, would, I would have to listen to someone else. But there's definitely tutorials online for something like that. Yeah. Um, but they do make devices that can go between the joists and joists like mm-hmm. that. If you're hanging something that heavy, yeah, I would definitely do a lot of research on it. But if it's just plants, if yeah. it's just plants, you could also, if you really want to go cool with it, make a grid system. If you want to hang multiple plants, mm-hmm. right, find joists to joists like we were just talking about, right, and hang up a grid. Some type of like, almost like, a you know, the inside of an oven, like a grill. Mm-hmm. Right, you hang up a grid of some kind. Either you make it out of wood, or you can buy something online that works. And then you have multiple points that you can hang off yeah. uh, for your plants, and that can look really good too. And you can put that as high as you want. And I think that might a aesthetically look really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. And B, it makes it adjustable. Mm-hmm. Like because then you can put it anywhere. Yeah, on, that, on because, that grid. Because otherwise, you're just stuck wherever the fucking plant is going for that room, and then you're <laughs> you get an ugly ass hole. So, uh, someone on our um, a live um, TikTok stream just shouted out wine glass racks. Mm. That's a great wine mm-hmm. glass racks are a great one. So I would say that's another one I yeah. can throw out there. Uh, what do you you got any tips for this one, Maggie? Uh, no, honestly, I, like I said, I just use the toggle bolts with the hooks. Um, so you're talking about the toggle bolt wall anchor. Mm-hmm, but See, they have, they have, they're called uh, toggle bolt ceiling ah, anchors. So the ones that like go in, you don't need to make a separate, like there's not a separate component, right? Like um, it goes in and it just twists out. Yeah. So the, the alligator a, mouth like goes in, yes. it opens up like a normal toggle bolt, but then they're on the bottom in it, there's a hook. That is attached to the bolt. Oh, okay. Um, and then you screw the hook in. Follow. Oh. So the bolt, the toggle bolt goes in first. Mm-hmm. And then the eye hook or 
the hook the, itself. The plant hook, yeah. Goes in second. No, it's... I don't know if I know what you're talking about is why I'm asking. So it's a hook, and then at the bottom of the hook, there's a bolt, and then, then there's the alligator mouth, right? So it's all, you, you screw the bolt into the hook, oh. and you put it all in at the same time. Do you just twist? Yep, you just twist. You don't need to pre-drill it. You do, uh, you do pre-drill, yeah, because you, I mean, it's like a regular toggle bolt. You got to make the hole for the toggle bolt part. But the screw, you know, like usually with a toggle bolt anchor, it's just the the screw and the, you know, the toggle bolt. But this. Yeah. How big is that hole? The same. It's the same size as a regular see, toggle bolt. See, that's what worries me. Mm. So that's that's what, what worries me. That's why I'm asking all these questions. Oh, sure. Yeah. Because that hole, I think it, it can be a barrier for some people. Mm-hmm. And I I think especially if you're like, I don't know if this person is a renter. I don't think they are. But if you are a renter, I would want to find a different solution. Because mm. a toggle bolt wall anchor, yeah. the more that I have advertised them, the more I have like moved away from them. Because I love toggle bolt wall anchors because they're so fucking strong compared yeah. to the other ones. But and they're not good for renters. You know, we always talk about surface area. Especially mm-hmm. if we're talking about like a, a, a plant in the ceiling. You want to have it have surface area. Yeah. A regular wall anchor, like an easy anchor or a, one of those like red anchors mm-hmm. or even a wall dog, all those very classic um, wall anchors, all of them have um, flanges on the side of a screw-based system, mm-hmm. right? And those flanges don't really – you don't put that above your head because if you slide it in, it's going to slide out too. Right. Now, with a talk about wall anchor – it spreads out like its legs spread right out right. like it's having a great time on a Saturday night. And <laughs> it it's going to be harder to pull it down because it's covering a lot of surface mm-hmm. area behind the wall, right? But we, with other ones, they're going to slide out. Now, the only thing I hate about that one is because you need such a big fucking hole yeah. to insert it through That's there. Now, true. they make other ones, I think, that might be more accessible to people. And I would think about the entry point for the hole. Mm-hmm. I don't know any of the top of my head, but there's got to be something out there that is going to be a smaller hole that splays out. And that would be my suggestion. Mm-hmm. Does that? Did I cover? Did that? Is that a good job? Did it do a good job? I mean, I think you went above and beyond. Oh, uh, because talk- <laughs> I think the grid system is where I would go. Yeah. If I was honestly, I kind of want to do it just to hang stuff in my ceiling now. Yeah. Because I think the grid system would look pretty cool too especially if you painted it and decorated it you know on the joist the wine glass uh idea was really cool yeah because you could do joist to joist mm-hmm. and here's the thing if you want to know where a joist is you know where they always are mm-hmm. the corner of a room mm-hmm. the side of a wall like right above a wall they're right there mm-hmm. and they're i think you know, someone someone's going to correct me if i'm wrong here but i think they're also 16 on center i can't remember if that's true or not I couldn't I, tell honestly, I, I think they are. I think <laughs> Joyce are also 16 on center. Uh, and if you don't know what that means when I say 16 on center, I mean mm-hmm. that uh, from the middle of a Joyce to the next middle of another Joyce, there's 16 inches. From the center of the Joyce to the uh, to yeah. the center. But they're not always, though. I mean, mm-hmm. depending on what year is built, it could be 16 inches between them or 18 inches apart or 22 if they're built in the 1880s. Mm-hmm. You know, it all depends. But... Yeah. Okay, cool. I think I answered that pretty decently. So we got, what was it? Um, oh, my God, Butts Maggie. and boobs and books and baths and bolts. Oh, my God, Maggie. I feel like, <laughs> I want you to know, everyone who's listening to this, you didn't you didn't see it, but Maggie was barely paying attention for most of this one. I no. feel like Maggie was thinking about the, the fifth B. The most of this question was sitting there on her phone, just Googling. What's another word for this? We got to find a B. We got to find a B. No, not true. Okay. <laughs> just off the top of my head. Well, Maggie, I think you're a B. Oh, oh a beautiful I'm, I'm the boss. Co-host. You're the bitch. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> we got seven Bs, everybody. Um, <laughs> a 
Okay, Maggie, I hope that you are having a good day, everyone who's listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for supporting us, as always. We had a really good time today. Honestly, <laughs> probably too good of a time. And I want to say thank you to the sound engineer, Matthew Allen Haig, for always making us sound decent. I appreciate you. <laughs> and thank you to our new employee, Ziggy, for picking out the questions. Yeah. Yes. We have two employees besides me and Maggie right now, and it's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so everyone say thank you to Ziggy for all the wonderful <laughs> questions today. And I want to say big thank you to everyone who's already bought a book. Uh, again, that's Safe and Sound, A Renter's Friendly Guide to Home Repair. You can find out more by just Googling it or by going to our <laughs> website, mercurystardust.com. And as always, everybody, remember, you're worth the time it takes to learn a new skill. Bye-bye. The theme song for the Handyman Hotline was written by Rody Walker. The questions were picked out by our production assistants, Ray and Basil. And the sound was engineered by Matthew Allen Hag. Thank you for listening. See you next time. If you enjoyed this episode of the Handyman Hotline, you can listen to an even longer version by supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon, $10 or more, you'll be able to get an extra long 30 to 45 minute section every single week. Isn't that amazing? More of me and Maggie. Wow! So thank you so much for all those who already support us, and you too can support us and listen to more on our Patreon. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us keep the pirate ship alive by supporting our sponsors, the wonderful iFixit. They fight for your right to repair and makes really cool tools in the process. If you need to fix your phone, laptop, or even a vacuum, iFixit has thousands of parts, tools, and free guides to make your life a little bit easier. So grab your hammer and nails and paint your nails if you want to. You're worth the time it takes to be you. She'll teach you how to fix your house, how to fix it by yourself. The trans handy.